0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As we looked at our gospel lesson today, I was reminded of all the great stories that there is in the gospel narrative. And over the years, we have a tendency to hear the stories, we remember them from the days of old, we remember them, we get the main point, and then we kind of file it away. We're ready to give the right answer if someone asks us, or we're prepared for a Bible study to add a little something-something to it, but really the story just becomes that. I know that was my take on approaching the text this week, and let's see what God's word says to us today. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, and while he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, and later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. I think the word immediately is significant here. Was it because after feeding the 5,000, the disciples were beginning to become a little bit like the crowd and think, hey, let's make him king? Maybe Jesus was making sure that they wouldn't become influenced and miss the focus of why Jesus was there and what Jesus had done in the first place. We don't get told. We only get told that they immediately left and from the recounting of this story in Mark and also in John. We can tell that as they got onto the boat, they entered into a storm. That buffeted by the waves is not short for Jimmy Buffett, meaning that the life is all good on sea with our Hawaiian shirts and drinking our Capri Suns, but rather that's buffeted like distressed and harassed. The waves were repeatedly and violently striking the boat. And like I said, again, our experienced fishermen find themselves struggling in a storm. And Jesus, well, he's not sleeping this time, but he is off praying. He's praying alone. He's dismissed the crowd, withdrawn, and has gone off to pray. And I'd like to take a moment here, a moment to understand the importance of prayer and the place of prayer that we see Jesus demonstrating. Now, we see this throughout the gospel, Jesus going off to pray. We see it here after the feeding of the 5,000. We see it um, before he chooses the 12 apostles. We see it before uh, uh, Peter says the confession of the Christ. We see it before the transfiguration, the teaching of the prayer our Father, and, of course, before the crucifixion. Now, what we can learn from this, from the way of Jesus would go off and pray, is that prayer is providing spiritual strength to us as we live out this disciple life. See, within private prayer, we learn to quiet our minds, to seek His face. We learn to pray, let it be as you have said, or lead me, shepherd, where you will, or here's my heart, Lord, or whatever else it is that we pray. The Lord invites us, we see, to join Him in that solitude, in that quiet place, the place of prayer and shortly before dawn the text continues jesus went out to them walking on the lake and when the disciples saw him walking on the lake they were terrified it's a ghost they said and cried out in fear and i'd like to think that's about right right i can only imagine the next time it's 5 a.m and you're taking your little dog out for its morning relief if you saw someone floating across the street because in this scenario there is no lake you would probably be terrified i think that's the right emotion that captures it yeah But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And this is the message part, right? This is the part where we hear Jesus' words and we need to remind our heads that, okay, Things are bad, but I just got to have courage and not be afraid. Now, we've heard this story. We know what happens next. We've analyzed it. We understand the lesson and its meanings. And when the waves come, everything's going to be okay. We're going to get by. This will not last forever. No matter what happens, we are supposed to be brave and not be afraid. Because a real disciple knows in their head that Jesus wins. And that this will not last forever. And if we have a lot of faith, we will be able to do anything. And besides, here he commands it. So let's go. It stings, doesn't it, when we know something, but we struggle to live it, can't feel it, can't feel what we know when we're going through the process, when we can explain it, know it, but for some reason can't be it. On that lesson we've learned all our lives, the answer we've had since we were young, when the waves come, the answer was absent of realness. We struggle, we doubt, and we become afraid. Question the answer. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said, and Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Imagine that feeling. Feet touch the water, that like gel-like feeling when you get, and it's like, it's not going to sink. So you start to walk. I wonder if the other disciples tried to like grab him and be like, dude, and he's like kind of shaking them off, getting all steadied, looking back at John and being like, are you seeing this? Are you believing this? Does that giggle thing that you do when something's amazing, you just kind of giggle? It's quite the feeling. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. He was afraid. Fear plays an interesting role in scripture and in the story of our lives, does it not? Too often fear is the driving force that causes us to run away from God, to choose the fruit, to choose to hide, to choose the coins, to choose to deny. I heard the stories, we know the answers, but the fear that comes from just living. It's too much to bear. And suddenly our lives are surrounded by waves and we begin to sink. How dare we let fear have such power over us? How dare we let fear motivate us? How dare we let that garden snake's lies and his fear-mongering enter into our decision-making and enter into our relationships with one another? You better believe, friends, that this message is take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, is never going to change because that answer doesn't change. Christ says take courage. Elsewhere we see it translated as take heart. We see it spoken to a paralyzed man who had never walked before. We see it to a woman who was sick with bleeding for so many years she lost count and there was no cure possible. We see it to a blind man who had never seen in his life and suddenly would be able to see we see this phrase, take courage, take heart, in instances when something is impossible and couldn't be done by the person themselves. Take courage, take heart. Take, not find, not summon up somehow in yourself, but take it. What heart do we take? Whose courage do we rely on? Our own, our own strength, our own skills? Or are we invited to rely on the heart of the one who comes toward us, the one who comes toward us in the midst of wind and waves. When the wind was against them and the waves were beating against the boat, the heart of Jesus came for them. And we take hold of the heart that Jesus gives us, the courage that does not originate within us but comes from Him, His heart, His courage, His peace that passes all understanding, his strength, His salvation. Which is why the phrase, it is I, is the real focus of our text. Take courage and don't be afraid are just words without the it is I, which translated as the ego me, the I am, the name God gives Moses in the bush. The phrase we hear over and over again in the Gospel of John, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He reminds the disciples here and now that he is God, that he will give them life, that he will deliver them, and that he will give them the courage and the heart that they need. Peter may have taken the step, but that's not enough. It's not enough to have courage and to not be afraid. That it is I, I am, is the driving force. Because the great I am, Jesus Christ, your Savior, is with you, hears you, guides you, sustains you is the author and perfecter of your faith, sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty in all power, and is our rock and our redeemer. Because we cannot walk on water alone. This courage is different. Because if it's not a pandemic, it's going to be a bombing. And if it's not a bombing, it's depression. And if it's not depression, it's unemployment. And if it's not unemployment, it's a thousand other things, each one the same and yet unique to all of us. We can't just drive out the fear and simply be bold and unafraid and start to walk. But the word is near us, comes to us. Reminded of what it says in 1 John, perfect love drives out fear. It's not gonna be our love that is perfect, but we believe and confess his love for us is perfect and is able to drive out fear. The great I am walks on the water and reaches out for us. That is the perfect love. That the Messiah sees your fear. Sees your fear and reaches out to you. That the great Messiah sees your addiction and reaches out to you. That the great Messiah sees your pain and reaches out to you. Jesus sees you. And when Peter begins to sink, he cries out and Jesus immediately, immediately reaches out his hand and takes hold of him. We can hear the words, take courage and don't be afraid and do more than just know them. We can learn to trust them, to live in them. To say, take courage and do not be afraid because I am is with me. So we withdraw in quiet prayer for strength and peace. I can take courage and not be afraid because I am is with me. So I can give up a life of myself at the center and instead give and share. Take courage and don't be afraid because I am gives me the life that he calls me to live. Fear will exist and winds and waves will come. And Isaiah said thousands of years ago, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And Paul gave us the answer to fear and confessing that in the face of fear and death, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything, Anything in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That drives out our fear. And immediately Jesus reached out and caught him, said, you live faith, why did you doubt? Not a fault or blame, but a gentle question and encouragement. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died I wonder what the disciples made of all this when the boat hit the shore. I wonder if they just kind of got on with their lives and would tell the tale over drinks or Zoom every chance they got. But they did that for a while at least. Remember when Peter walked out on the water? Who in their right mind would get out of the boat in the storm? That we'd do that too. But then instead of just telling the story out of the sheer exhilaration of the experience, the craziness of being there, they began to hold the story to do more than know it, but to wonder at it. They came to know that this story can't be about Peter, can't be about you, but that this story is about Jesus. The waves, the wind, the fears are all secondary because there is chaos, there is darkness brooding, and then there is Jesus bringing light and hope. So Matthew made sure to tell this story as he did, not with, not with great embellishments or flair, but in straightforward simplicity so that no matter the age, you would not miss the meaning. For the meaning is not to be found in the extraordinary things that occurred, but in the place Jesus must have at the center of every life. And the stories that we tell, and we each have a story, we do. I'm going to invite the band back up here now. Now we have been called to put at the center of that story, not ourselves, but Jesus. And I think that's where sharing faith can start, how the story of your life is really the story of Jesus. That we can say, we believe and so we must speak. We will tell the story of Jesus, of who he is and what he has done for us. How in a time of fear, Reaching out to us is the Lord Jesus Himself. How walking through wind and waves, Jesus is coming to be with us. How He takes hold of us and says, Come. That is our story, and that would be a great story, yours, of how in the midst of pain and uncertainty, Christ reached out to you. That's a story worth sharing. That's a story that needs to be posted, spoken to our little ones and to those who have not yet heard. I wonder what would happen if 1,800 people would post a story of God working in their life, even in the midst of fear. I wonder what would happen if just one person told the story to someone who hadn't heard it yet the story of Jesus. I wonder what would happen if we took courage and weren't afraid to speak to this restorative hope we have in Jesus. Now we're going to continue doing what those disciples did when they fell down in worship. We're going to continue to worship our Lord. We're going to continue to worship Him in prayer. We're going to continue to worship Him in song. And we are going to continue to worship Him with our very lives, speaking to the hope that we have. Let's sing and pray.